G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann. And today I've got my colleague and superstar property manager back along to discuss the opportunities and pitfalls when buying a tenant property. Now, surprisingly, there's a lot more to this topic than pretty much every investor we speak to that is buying a tenant property realizes. And it can either sort of make or break both the return that you get on the front end, whether you're actually getting a good deal or a bad deal and whether you're buying yourself a whole bunch of stress that you're not uh, expecting. So we're all about trying to set things up for smooth sailing, trying to help you know what you're getting yourself in for and make an informed decision. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Dwayne. Thanks for joining us to chat through another really important topic we're seeing relevant to a lot of the buyers that are entering our market at the moment in Perth. Thanks for joining me. G'day, Jared. Nice to be here once again. So topic today, buying tenanted properties. I don't think investors appreciate that there's a little more under the hood to be considered and they're just focused on securing the property, but not considering all the ramifications of that existing tenancy. Would that be right from what you're Yeah, um, you're 100% spot on. Um, Sometimes you're buying other people's problems. You've got a bad tenant in there and they're getting rid of that investment for that purpose. So you really do need to check that tenancy before putting your offer in and making sure that you're not buying headaches and stress. Well, I know you immediately looked for the headaches and trying to prevent them. <laughs> I, on the other hand, try to look for the opportunities. <laughs> so um, buying a tenanted property is a great way to get yourself a deal, isn't it? Especially when the person's selling. Imagine we've got a poorly presented property. We've got a troubled tenant. And in many cases, the investor may not even know that they're troubled. So <laughs> we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> But even the fact that the tenancy lease runs through to, you know, could be six months, could be 12 months, those factors are going to put a lot of buyers off, aren't they? A lot of home buyers off. Well, that's right. You are only facing perhaps what, say, half the market. The home buyers won't be interested in that one because they can't move in. They want to buy a place they can move in straight away. So you are really only going to be competing with other investors in this particular space. And many investors still buy with their eyes, still buy emotionally. And if they can't see the property being well presented, they're just going to go on to something simpler that's more straightforward and you know ready to go without having to solve that problem. <laughs> and that's right. That's right. So I guess um, today it's about you know quantifying and understanding the different aspects of that existing tenancy and seeing how much of a problem it is and whether it's solvable. And then you can kind of see, okay, well, what sort of discount might you be getting for that property? And is it worth the saving that you're making to deal with that problem, if that makes sense? Oh, definitely. 100%. And look, I've heard many a tale from investors going (laughs) to look through properties that are really cluttered and do have tenants insisting on being home for the viewings. Imagine the view, they're sprawled out on the couch in their jocks, doing everything possible to put buyers off from purchasing the property so that they can stay there. And of course, when I'm selling properties, it's very, you know, I, I spend a lot of effort trying to have the tenants cooperate, trying to present the property at its best. And, you know, I'd never allow a property like this to go to market. But for the average agent, that can't be bothered, it's probably more commonplace than it is, you know, than you'd think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, most buyers are going to shy away from that problem. That's going to give you an opportunity. 
And you've just got to know what the questions to ask. And we'll run through some of these in a minute to see that you're uncovering all the facts and can make that informed decision. Where the trouble lies, Dwayne, is that many investors actually think on the face of it that they're buying a really well set up and smooth tenancy, don't they? It's only when you start chatting to them and asking some questions that you unfortunately find out like an iceberg, there's a lot of issues below the surface. Would you say that happens a lot? Because I hear it in the background. Yeah, you're right. You're right. A lot of them every week. (laughs) A lot of them look at that opportunistic side of, hey, look, I've got income coming in straight after settlement. I don't have to pay a leasing fee. There's no vacancy. And look, that's correct. But the reality is if there are some of those things that have been perhaps hidden away and you don't know about the tenancy, you could be really running the risk of buying someone else's headache. So yeah, I think there are a couple of really key and important documents to have to make sure you're making the right decision. And also, you know, that makes part of your offer that comes as part of your offer. You might offer a little bit less for those headaches for you to solve that problem. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of these important things to be getting and considering and potentially including either getting before you make an offer or making it subject to your satisfaction of these things? In my my opinion, the most important one is a tenant ledger. See, the tenant ledger records just about everything from when the tenants paid their rent to when it was due to any breach notices, to any issues that has happened during that tenancy. So if you can get your hands on the tenant ledger, you can look back at the past one, two, three, years of tenancy and see if there were a model tenant or perhaps someone that has had a lot of issues. The rent's not paid on time. Dwayne, my tenant's wonderful. What does the ledger (laughs) say? (laughs) Correct. It's all about the ledger. It's what's in writing. So I think that's probably the best piece of information, best piece of documentation. You can see when the inspections have been done as well and if they were conducted frequently or perhaps not at all. So I believe that's really the most critical document to have. Now, I guess you're going to struggle if an owner's managing their own property and doesn't have a ledger at all, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, precisely, precisely. But they should still have some record of how frequently they do pay their rent. So hopefully they've got that and they're prepared to share that with you as well. Okay. And what's some of the other ones? Another really important one is obviously the lease. I mean, we normally see most buyers get a copy of the lease, a signed lease agreement. We really want to get a copy of that to make sure that it is valid, you know, that it's been signed and that they've agreed to the same terms and conditions as they should have. Yeah, look, I would say 95% of people already know that one. It's a pretty straightforward one, but it is important. More important to that though is the property condition report. So making sure that we've got a document that basically we can hold tenants accountable to. You know, they moved in three years ago. When they move out, it should look the same minus some fair wear and tear. So without that property condition report, it does make it very difficult to hold tenants accountable to any damages when you don't know how the property presented in its first place. Does that make sense? Definitely. And there's property condition reports and then there's, you know, detailed property condition reports. So just assuming that it's been carried out well and that there's, you know, hundreds of photos like we prepare, I would always check it and make sure that it's thorough and appears to be, you know, detailed and covering everything because devil's in the detail, isn't it? Yeah, precisely. And we shouldn't assume that everyone does it to the same level we do, but having one still oh, I know they don't drink. When we take over management uh, each month, yeah, yeah. we get to uh, deal with their previous you know, work. And legislation did change a number of years ago to try and have a standard format. But if the tenancy was prepared prior to then, it was, you know, put together whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> 
back in the day. But thankfully, we've always seen it as the complete fallback and the number one thing we can use to protect the property. And that makes our jobs a lot easier at final inspection if it is extremely detailed. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to circle uh, back around on the lease because a lot of, I regularly see as well that the selling agent might think that the lease is up at a certain date, but when you actually request the copy of the lease, you can find out that, oh, it wasn't signed or uh, I didn't, it didn't actually run through to that date. And our system doesn't show, doesn't reflect what's on the actual lease. And that can actually be an opportunity, especially if it's already rolled over onto periodic, we might be able to just give the tenant 60 days notice during the settlement period or have that given once you've obtain your finance approval and you know you're going ahead. And if we did want to vacate the tenant sooner, freshen up the property and then find a more quality tenant to bed things down and have smoother sailing, that could be actually achieved a lot sooner than is reflected in the advert and what the agent thinks. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And going back to making that decision on whether we can lease these are the documents that allow us to do so so i think very very important to see you know the quality of tenant and what the plan of attack is do we keep them on do we renew them or do we do we move them on okay so what other docs are important if you can get your hands on the routine inspections look you may be able to you may not but if you can get your hands on the routine inspections you can actually look and see how the tenant is keeping the property through photos through the checklists and making sure that they're actually maintaining the property well. That way, you know, you do have a good tenant and you're happy to renew, you're happy to keep them on, or you do know that perhaps they're sneaking in pets or they're not looking after the property, they're killing the gardens. You want to know a little bit more about this particular tenant and what you're getting yourself into. I guess it gives the history instead of just what you're seeing, which might have, the owner might have spent some of their hard-earned money to present the property best for sale. The tenant left to their own devices could be uh, really letting things slip, couldn't they? That's right. And this is the reflection of that. Yeah. No worries. So a couple of other key ones here. Um, how often do we find that a bond's not lodged with the bond administrator? <laughs> More often than, than, um, is, than we'd want, considering it's a legal requirement these days. But it can also be the case that the bond lodged is too low or hasn't been updated when rent has increased, or there could be no bond lodged at all, as is the case with some private managing. Yeah, you're spot on there, Jared. What I found is with agency managed properties, there's usually a bond and it's lodged with an administrator. That's great. But it's those self-managed properties where no bond's been collected at all. It's not the fact that it's not been lodged. The the self-managing landlord didn't take a bond or they may have taken the bond in some instances, but they're holding it in their own account. So you just want to make sure there's some level of bond to make sure that the tenants have that safety net. If they do damage the property, we can claim that on the bond um, and we want to identify if that has been collected one and two lodged with the administrator as well. Hmm. Uh, Any final ones? that are important to check into? Look, I think some people overlook this one. Um, I think the only other thing that's important would be the application form. So when the tenant applies for the property, they put everything into this application form where they work, you know, their past place of residence, their next of kin. Uh, the reason we want to try and receive that application form, is not so much about making the decision and re-screening the application, but more so that if they disappear or if something were to happen to the tenants, we still have those contacts of 
their next of kin and of their workplace to be able to find them and speak to them and try and help them along the way. So um, the application form has a lot of that good information in there that if you can get as the new managing agent or the new owner, you've got a little bit more data to work with. Hmm. Might give you some insights as well if there's been trouble with payment history and you look back and see that their wages you know, weren't really adequate to covering the rent, that can start to paint a bit of a picture as to can these tenants actually afford to continue in the property and are we just going to keep getting you know, arrears problems ongoingly because they've taken, they've overly stretched for it in the first place. Mm, yep. So when you have all the information, you can then start to consider a number of things, can't you? And this is where you probably catch a lot of uh, investors off guard. And that's probably the phone calls that I hear when you're saying, oh, you know, do you have a, do they have a property interest report? Do they have a lease? Or do they have a, a tenant ledger that, you know, I can just feel the investor's head spinning. Oh shit. You know, like <laughs> I don't know any of these things. But yeah. The great thing is when we do establish all these things, then the investor can actually make some decisions and Obviously, it's better to make these decisions before you, before you buy, uh, but it's still possible during that period for conditions. But if you discovered something, you know, really terrible, and it might not just be a problem with the lease, it might be issues with the building maintenance, issues with the building structure, issues, a number of things all adding up to mean that you didn't want to proceed, then you may still be able to terminate on some other conditions potentially. So not necessarily the end of the world, but definitely worth getting this information sooner rather than later, <laughs> rather than when once we've settled, yep. then the property and the problem is definitely all yours. Yep. So what are some of the things we can then consider once we've got the information? Well, like you mentioned before, the time period left on the lease, you can put a bit of a plan together knowing that first and foremost, um, if there's only two weeks left versus two months versus two years, we might be able to do those rent increases at the end of the lease. The other thing I should have mentioned, actually, that's a good, that's right. That's right. So looking at the lease, you can see if they've actually put that rent review clause in there and if they're using one, if not, then you do have to wait to the end of the lease for that rent review. But um, I guess at the end of the day, knowing how long left on the lease, you can put a plan together moving forward as well. Yeah. You can work out your cash flow. Okay, well, it's going to be under-rented for this long. Hey, but I've just saved 20 grand on the purchase price. I might be losing only five grand over the next six months. We can either renew the lease or move the tenant on and do some fix-ups. And, you know, you take that into account, weigh it up, and, yeah, you're better off overall. So you go with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's some of the other factors? Well, something that um, often I speak to these potential buyers of these properties, it's a little bit too late. They've put the offer in and it's been accepted. And then they're calling around for a property manager. And perhaps we should know these this data, this information before we actually go and put the offer and acceptance in and whether or not there should be conditions and clauses to that. Um, Jared, you can probably speak a little bit more to this, seeing as you deal with it in a bit more detail on a day-to-day basis, but should these form part of the offer and acceptance conditions? Look, you don't want to try to weaken your offer by coming across as being too difficult for the sales agent and seller. But it, it's all on a case-by-case basis. If you've got no competition, uh, you can probably be as difficult as you like. <laughs> you know, And I would try to get these things up front before making your offer because if they can't easily put their hands on them, it probably means that they don't exist, mm. to be completely frank. 
So a good agent will be happy to answer your questions, get the documents for you to make a complete decision. And I'd probably try to keep it out of the offer and acceptance unless you had to put your offer in today and you couldn't get everything today and weigh that up against, is there other offers you're competing with? And then you may still have to not include them and just accept that there could be some, you know, some costs that come out of what you discover. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's important too is just really considering in the grand scheme of purchasing this property, are these things a deal breaker for you? Yeah. Is this a solvable problem or is it something that, you know, is going to be bigger than Ben-Hur? Yeah. I mean, when you're getting in for some problems, it's, you know, and you're not buying a completely clean solution, it's probably good in your mind to ballpark some cost, isn't it? And be, a, be like, okay, well, if it's worst case 10 grand and it costs me to do, you know, the carpets and, you know, repaint and a couple of other things, then you've prepared for the worst. Then if it takes, you know, six months for me to get the tenant out, but have, you know, a bit of non-payment of rent towards the end, you know, you make sure you get your landlord insurance from day one too, to, to cover the gaps and any other downsides. And you can then look look to guess work closely with the tenant to fix some of these things up along the way. And that's what we always try to do, address things along the way, not just leave them to the end and for everything to come ahead and the tenant needs lots of money all in one go. If you can, we noticed that, that the garage doors da- damaged. It wasn't like that on the original property district report. Let's get a quote for that. Let's all agree on the price. Let's start a payment plan during the tenancy. So those are some of the things you can do if you've got a proactive manager instead of just arriving at the final inspection and being, oh shit, we We've got seven grand worth of damages and the tenant's not going to be able to pay any of it. And they've just needed to save their bond and two extra rent for the next property. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, sorry. I'm just having flashbacks of uh, problems we've inherited from other agencies there. Just came up freshly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And look, I think the other thing to consider is the tenant, whether or not we keep them or how do we manage them out, depending on if they've been good tenants in the past based on their history, if they have the ability to pay the rent that is currently on the lease and also what the rent may be with the rental prices moving the way they are at the moment. So like you said, Jared, earlier with that application form, if you can see the income um, they were stretching to achieve that rental price today, then perhaps you know in six to 12 months time when the rent prices move five, 10%, um, they may not be able to afford it. We might need to look at a plan and plan to manage that tenant see out on the way as well. And we shouldn't assume that everything's on the tenant either. God, some owners and landlords can decline and do little maintenance over 10 or 20 years uh, before coming yeah. to sell a property. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, it appears like everything's on the tenant. Well, no, they haven't fixed the gutters and they haven't, you know, <laughs> upgraded the flooring in 20 years. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the blinds actually, well, they're 20 years old. Uh, they're falling apart. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, not always the tenants, you know, fault or to blame in these cases either. So it sounds like we're just, you know, bashing on, on tenants here, Dwayne. <laughs> not the case. No, not so, I guess you're asking yourself, does the purchase price that you're able to get it at outweigh all the hassles? And if you had two properties that are priced the same side by side, one's, uh, you know, clean, fully ready to go and doesn't need any money spent, the other one needs 20 grand spent, well, you probably want to be getting it for 30 grand or 40 grand less to be not just 20 grand less to be worth, you know, that capital outlay, that hassle and, you know, that time to see through and and get it back to being a, a good investment, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. You need to be paid for your time. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess people, that's part of the problem. People don't put that value on their own own time as well. And, you know, you want to be paid for solving problems. 
Mm, yeah. And that leads me to my final question, which is, are you and your property manager prepared to take on the problem, which is the final consideration? And that return for effort I just spoke about from your side, but you may find that if the problems are too great, that no sane property manager <laughs> will want to take them on and you could be left with a property with all these problems and, and no help or the quality of manager that's willing to take it on might be very low. And, and then you're in for more problems trying to get them to do anything and get them to solve things. So did you have anything to speak to that and how we normally take what we normally take on and what we normally get involved in? Because I don't want to sound like, you know, we're promising the world and that, you know, that we can uh, solve any problem strain because we're very busy. We do have very high standards for what we take on. And, you know, it's worth people knowing that that could be a potential problem, especially in getting us to manage it if it's requiring too much. Well, I learned my lesson probably seven or eight years ago when there was a client who really, really needed some help self-managing a property. It wasn't a property he bought. It was just a self-managed property. He uh, had some tenants in there, needed some help getting them out. We ended up in court. We ended up with the bailiff on site and that took up, I'd say the whole, the management of that tenancy on the outgoing would have taken up, I don't know, three or four weeks in total, just dealing with that. When you add all the time up together, it was one of the most difficult cases I've had to deal with in my property management history. And um, there is a limit to, I guess, property managers and what they can do and how much they can assist as well. So like I said, some of those things, if there's no tenant ledger, it's not a deal breaker. Managers will still consider that, but it's when you have those very, very problematic tenants that you're not aware about that you're caught, you know, blindsided, you bought a property and you've got a nightmare. Um, they're the ones that can really cause you the headaches and the stress. Now that's probably one in a hundred, one in a thousand, but you want to avoid that by collecting the data we mentioned above. Yeah. And the other thing to note is that let's say, Worst case, it does need a lot of work and it is beyond the scope of you know, most property managers, ourselves included. Well, that's when you can look at, you know, getting an overall renovation company in, someone to project manage all the things that need fixing up. And, you know, that way you just factor in that cost from the beginning. And, you know, we're property managers, we're not renovation managers. So it is a very different thing. But again, factoring it in means that you can allow for it and it's to be expected, not a nasty surprise. And it can turn it into that opportunity where you know you're spending 20, 30, you're getting back 50, 60. And you know, you can look to revalue at the end of that, take some upside in the market as well. And you could have your complete complete 20% deposit back within 12, you know, nine to 12 months so that you can uh, go again on the next one. So yeah, there is a lot of opportunity if you're prepared to solve problems, but make sure that you know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Great. Well, I guess as well, you touched on people coming to us once they've already bought something and to, it really helps you, I guess, if you have an expert property manager on your side and you speak to them before you make your offer and you get those documents, you know, it's no trouble for us to help with reviewing them. We know what we're looking at. We look at it all day long. We can probably do it in five minutes, which might otherwise take you two hours. And yeah, happy to help people when they're in that uh, decision decision making process. 
Absolutely. I should, certainly am able to help on that front as well. Um, the last thing I will just mention as well is that often sales agents list a property when the fixed term lease is coming to an end or it's on a periodic lease. So they can sell both to the homeowner occupier market yeah. as well as investors, right? And we've seen that a lot. That's what I would always do. Um, yep. Yep. So one of the things we can do, you know, which I've seen happen with a few clients that have come on board with us now is that because in the event of a sale, 30 days notice compared to a normal 60 day notice on a periodic lease to ask your tenant to move on. There are times when we're able to basically speak with the selling agent, speak with the seller and ask them to provide that 30 days notice so that, you know, we don't have to wait from settlement for us to start providing a 60 day notice on the periodic lease to ask a tenant to move on. We can start that process during that settlement phase as well. And that's helped a couple of our clients gain that access to the property, get the renovations done sooner rather than having to wait till the 60 days notice period ends on a periodic lease before that tenant vacates and the renovation starts. Does that make sense? Yep. That makes perfect sense. Maybe not sense to everyone else, but the long story <laughs> of it is get onto things sooner, get onto us sooner, try to assess these things before you make your offer and um, going deeper to work out whether all of this documentation is in place so that you know what sort of, uh, whether you're getting that smooth tenancy or whether you're getting a problem that and whether it can be solved, how much it's going to cost and whether it's worth doing. So thanks for joining us today, Dwayne. You're welcome, Jared. Catch you on the next one. Bye, mate. Bye. For free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. Just a reminder that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature, as we don't know your specific situation. You should always seek professional advice before taking any action. I'll see you in the group.